Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. another exciting episode of uh, SFP now. Um, with me to discuss the television um, of, of the last couple of weeks, as usual, is um, is Raisa, and we're joined by Craig McKenzie this week, the um, hyperactive blogger of Kneel Before Blog. And if you don't kneel before Blog, your testicles will be incinerated. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's actually true. Um, you know, it's actually true. Um, I'd like to go on record as saying I don't do that. Well, mm-hmm. well someone my, else does it for me. Ba- basically, my cat knelt before blog, before blog, and um, na- now we saw like uh, it's actually a really handy way of neutering animals. <laughs> it's that blog. Honestly, trust me. You know, save yourself one hundred and fifty pound at the vet. Get your pets educated and make them read the read Neil before blog. Honestly. <laughs> anyway, we've got we've got a guest this week, special guest. Um and he's from the TV show Scorpion. Um joining us a little bit later on will be Ari Stidham, uh, who plays Sylvester, the mathematical genius and statistics statistics guy from the uh, TV series Scorpion, which airs on CBS over in the US and as here on Thursday night in the UK on ITV2. Um, during the interview, we actually learned that the show was actually being renewed for a second season, so that's that's great news. And Ari will be joining us later on. But first, down to the business of a of, of television that that you can watch um, while keeping your testicles intact. <laughs> so, um, so um, who wants to start? Um, and should we start with the DC stuff? Yeah, yeah. let's do that. <clears throat> okay, let's start with the comic book stuff. Um, how about we get Constantine out of the way first? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, just like uh, NBC did. Yeah, week. unfortunately, um, you know, so NBC have finished airing the, uh, the, the remainder of Constantine. Um, and I think Amazon are probably coming towards the last episode now. Um... Craig, I'm, I'm with you when I say I think it's been a really good show. Yeah, I mean, it's had a bit, has a few tr- problems finding its feet, but on the whole, it's been like really good. And I think it's been kind of marred by the problems it had getting off the ground, you know, with the change in cast and the, the cut down in episodes across the, you know, across the airing. So it was kind of stuffed by that, but it's managed to hold together by being a, you know, really compelling story with, with really good characters. And I also, I also think, um, and this is where your article, the, the article that you wrote earlier this week about adaptations comes into play. 
Um, but I, th I think it's actually been quite, quite, uh, quite true to the comics. Yeah, it's ways. sometimes detrimentally so. <clears throat> you know, where the characters just vanish for no reason. They they give you one line of dialogue and it's stupid. You know, like yeah. the episode where Zed was catching up on some sleep, so couldn't help out. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I've, um, I, I've, I've, really, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've not seen the last two episodes yet, so, you know, feel free to spoil them. Um, so, I, I, I'm so like, um, if you spoil them, it would just make me want to watch them more. So. But, I mean, the last couple of episodes were, they, they didn't feel like the end of a series, but they weren't ever supposed to be, you know, because they were filmed in isolation. Um, you know, uh, without knowing that the show was going to get cancelled. So it's kind of like Firefly, where the show just kind of ends. But there's a bit of a, a bit of a reveal at the end of the last episode that kind of sets up what they could get on with if they get back, which I hope they do. I hope they do as well. I mean, I think my, my favourite, really, of the uh, season is the, uh, the two-part episode where, where Constantine reaches out to that nun and he gets possessed by that demon. Yeah, although it was weird how cliffhangers go. There was, um, it seemed like they were only connected by the cliffhanger because the two episodes were entirely different stories. So it was, you know, clearly just sandwiched in a cliffhanger because it was the mid-season. Mm -hmm. I think my favourite one was the, the Chaz origin story one that explained why he can't die, or at least can't die yet. Yeah, because he's so like, um, he, he's, he's got these spirits of... Um, of so of a hundred and hundred souls. I think it's only fifty or something, but yeah. he's down to forty odds now. So. Fifty something souls that yeah. that died died heroically or something or that died wow. Yeah, died near a a night kind of thing, and he absorbed their souls, and he's you know using their lives to do good, which which is interesting. I thought it was a good episode, and yeah. um, it was a result of a spell that Constantine cast on him, wasn't it? Yeah, well, drunk. By drunk. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we, we really must get out and hang out with that guy. You know, yeah. he's, he's all right as far as Scousers go, I, I reckon. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, there's been some chat about them trying to shop it out to other networks, like maybe change its name to Hellblazer and put it on Sci-Fi or something like that. But I've never heard of that happening. I, I haven't either, but you know what I reckon they should do? You know, let's bypass the networks entirely and take it take it entirely to Netflix or or Amazon or make it yeah. make it a joint production with Amazon because Amazon did a hang of a job with Ripper Street. Yeah, I think I think there's a few options that they could explore, and they don't have to worry about network airtimes because people can just watch it whatever they want. But you know, they haven't really said anything about it yet. But um, I think it's not going to happen, to be honest, mm. purely well, because it never does. Well, the thing is, we don't know whether it's been whether it's going to be picked up yet for another season by CBS or not. Um, NBC. Think, uh, NBC, sorry, but I think it. I think it was. I think it did do all right in its in, in the ratings for its final few episodes. You never know. Yeah, yeah. I think people rallied together and watched it in their very small droves. But I don't know. I, I think it's kind of too little, too late. Unfortunately. Mm. You should should have watched it in the droves when it first came on. Yeah, I think um, putting it on on Friday night at whatever time is always the death slot, isn't it? So um, in in the states, yeah, I don't think it's yeah. I don't think it's as true here in the UK. Nah. But then again, in the UK, they, they don't really put anything too much on on a Friday night. To 
be honest. Isn't Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on a Friday on Channel 4? Yeah, but um, it's not currently on on a Friday. They've not started yeah. showing it yet, which really pisses me off. They've only yeah. just started getting getting around showing Arrow and Flash on Sky One, um, which I, I'm actually recording in the background here, and I'm going to watch immediately after we've done this. Yeah. Um, and you know we're still waiting. What's the other thing we're waiting for to come back? Is that Agents of Shield? There's another show, but uh, Gotham. Hmm. Waiting for Channel Five to bring that back. Although Shield isn't actually back yet in the states either. It's um, not back for a couple of weeks. Yeah. No, they're, they're waiting for Agent Carter to finish before they come back. Yeah, do you not really tick me off? What? Um, basically, I was on like um, E4 here in the UK was showing the Big Bang Theory. They started showing it before Christmas and then they stopped it for a couple of weeks. And then they bought it back for three weeks after Christmas. And now they've stopped showing it and instead they're showing Two Broke Girls. And as soon as the season of Two Broke Girls can conclude, Whenever that that will be, it'll show the rest of Big Bang. Good. I really hate you when I do that. What a terrible show as well. What two broke girls? Yeah. I don't know. It's worth you know. I I think I think the two two broke girls are you know quite attractive actually. <laughs> so. well, they both annoy me. I think I got two or three episodes in before I just couldn't take it anymore. I've never actually watched it. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I've just seen the trailers for it and um, and and think that they're, they're quite attractive young women. So. Mm. But I've never actually uh, watched it. I prefer Big Bang Theory. Yeah. You know, hands down. But Constantine, I think the general consensus between you and me, Craig, is NBC needs to bring it back. Yeah, I mean, it is well-liked. It's just not well-watched. That's the problem. Mm. It's a Veronica Mars in that sense. You know, people like it, but the ratings aren't good enough as such. Uh, I never watched Veronica Mars. Oh, you should. It's really good. I, ne- I never, never got time to, to watch it. Um, mm. So um, now onto the shows at Risa, um, and 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 we all have been watching uh, Flash and Arrow, um, folks. I'm actually behind on 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 both Flash and Arrow, but I don't mind spoilers, as I said, because it's in the interest of this is actually a show that goes, you know, it goes to people in the states as well as here in England, so. Yeah, you know, we can't we okay. can't really we can't really sort of like prevent spoilage, I guess. <laughs> but um, I seen the as far as Arrow was concerned, the last episode I seen was uh, was last week, where um, Ogre's been rescued, but the they don't know it's Stargate City and Vinnie Jones's character has come out in, into uh, into being, and he's sort of like, he, he's actually broke out all the people that Ogie put away. Yeah, burn the evidence. And burn the evidence. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great arc. Um, yeah. And Vinnie Jones is a great villain. Yeah, yeah. He, he owns it. You know, like I said, he's got limited range, but he does what he does really well. well and although he's, he's looking, he's looking more fat than tough these days, isn't he? Yeah, a bit. <laughs> he needs to go to the gym a bit. Yeah. Um, um, I, I um I fully encourage you to actually go up to his face and say that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> He's going to hunt me down after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, just make sure you wait. Just make sure you're wearing a cast iron cod piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great to see the supporting cast step up and uh, you know take charge because 
in some cases, like Roy, they've been kind of relegated to sidekick status over the season. So it's great to see them taking front and centre and really managing. And that and that continues because even after Oliver comes back, the the reshuffle that that his quote unquote death <clears throat> necessitated sticks. Yeah. And the, and the and the team dynamics shift, and there's some real there's stuff. They yeah. they play it out. They actually play it out. It's not it's not it's not put onto the carpet. Yes, I, really, I mean, really appreciated. I thought it was interesting in those three episodes how what was bringing the team down was that they actually lacked leadership. They were acting as a kind of everyone was in charge and that's why they kept failing because no one was giving orders. Yeah, and we also seen we also seen the uh, oh god, what's the name now? We seen a step up as Banat Canary for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah. Laurel. Yes. And I like I like that she didn't start out as being like competent. You know, she started out as being you know, really rough around the edges, uh, getting taken down a few times, just not very good. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it makes sense because I was I was half expecting to do her being an instant badass who, was, who could, you know, kick anybody in. But yeah, but she's she's still learning, which is good. And and she and, I, and, and she seems to be taking charge as well of, of the group a little bit. She I is, although I think in in uh, in Ollie's absence, uh, the leader the the leaders are Diggle and Felicity, because yeah. Felicity has the, the technical know how and Diggle has the, the tactical. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I've um, I've I've actually enjoyed it, and um, I seen the uh, premiere episode of Flash last week, um, and it didn't really. Didn't, didn't really seem like a great start after the uh, after the after the mid season finale for me. It's it's getting to the point where Barry is so powerful that you know you have to question why anybody can give him problems because he can just kind of run around behind them and so on. But they, in particular, those two guys with guns. You know, they weren't wearing armor or anything, so you know, couldn't a couple of snipers just took them out yeah. when they were standing in the middle of a crowded street? You know, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Captain Ice guy and the uh, and the guy with the flamethrower, you know, you're right there. If they'd had somebody mobilised at the top of the building, you know, yeah. they, they could have taken those two guys out. Yeah, they announced where they were going to be and everything. It was, you know, it was hand-delivered, hand pretty much. I think, and I think that's because of the two shows, The Flash is the more actually comic book-like. Yeah. And so... The comic book logic applies to to a greater extent. I mean, hell, we're getting broad on the Flash, okay? Yeah, so how's that going to turn out? <laughs> well, I you mean, know, they'll, they'll probably hire George Bush, you know, <laughs> if they want to do oh, it on the cheap. I mean, they, ha- they haven't exactly got the Planet of the Apes budget, you know, to to realise these apes in, uh, in exquisite detail, so it'll be interesting. It still bugs me that we're getting Grodd on the Flash, but we can't get one lousy Lazarus pit on the Arrow. Yeah, that was annoying. That that is annoying. It's all like, but then again, they've said right from the very start of of, of Arrow that they're gonna they're, they're, they're trying to ground it as much in reality as possible. And yet they change their mind. And yet they have Barry on 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 crossovers. Yeah. Yeah. So so they can't have it both ways. You know. Did they explain like, how Oliver's not dead? I don't think they did. It's no. Just kind of, other, yeah. other than other than. Yeah, other than the cold, slow metabolism or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Which, um, yeah, might be true. I mean, I got bitten by a dog once, and it was freezing cold. I was out delivering leaf and it was freezing cold outside, and as soon as I walked into a heated room, the, 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 the cut, and because of where the, where the bite was, 
Um, I'm literally very nearly lost consciousness as soon as I came in to a, to a warm room from, from, from sort of like um, outside where it was below freezing. Yeah. Um, you didn't get stabbed and fall off a built fall off a mountain, you know. <laughs> No, mm. I got I got I got bit by I got bit by a poodle through through mm. somebody's netterbox. Um, <laughs> oh, it's really exciting. Um, yeah. And you know, personally, I think I I think I I would have preferred to have been stabbed and fallen off the top of the building because <laughs> the you know, one, the that, one way, arrow that way the, that way you get you... rescued and then you get saved by this uh, Oriental hottie. <laughs> the one the one arrow development that you have to look forward to is though that Thea finds out finally. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I was surprised by the reaction because I was expecting it to be angsty and her fall out with them and stuff. But I like that she just accepted it right away. Yeah. You know, there was that kind of light bulb moment when she got told, as if you know, as things started falling into place. It's like, oh, that's yeah. why. Oh, this now everything makes sense. <laughs> but it was a lot like Laurel's, um, you know, reaction when when Slade told her. You could see her eyes darting back and forth as she, you know, was piecing everything together as well. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Um, uh, while we're on the subject of a uh, flash and arrow, um, and this is a bit of a merchandising plug, I guess. But um, reported this on the website today, SciFiPulse.net. Um, apparently, in Jingai, uh Reaction, which is a kind of like a, a sub company under Funko, are releasing mm-hmm. uh, releasing are releasing styled action figures um, based on the Arrow TV series and the yeah, flash I saw TV that. I saw the Flash one. Yeah. They look really good. And but here's another one. Um, in May, uh, Funko here in the UK, and don't I don't know if they're going to be coming out in the states um, e- either earlier or later. But they're they're also doing uh, pop vinyl um, pop vinyl figures of the Flash and Arrow as well, um, which I just got about heard about today. So you know it's. If, if you're a fan of both series, it's a, you know it's a really cool time for the merchandising. Mm. Some cool stuff coming out. Mm. And then, pretty soon we'll probably have Supergirl tied in with all that. Yeah, you know, something like um, Supergirl tied in with all that. Is that is that like Fifty Shades of Grey sort of thing? <laughs> no, let's hope not. Yeah, I was just thinking they could actually do a sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey, and all they do is it just sort of like. Um, Take Batman forever and add nipple clamps. Done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so Arrow, Arrow, and um, and the Flash. You know, I'm 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 so like really enjoying those. Um, what you, what are you guys been thinking about Agent Carter? Loving it. I'm 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 loving it. I I appreciate um, Britain's reactions to it and and the and the caveats that she raised, but overall, I'm loving it very much. It's I'm the audience this, for it. I think a lot of people are annoyed that the UK isn't screening it anywhere. You know, there's nothing that's picked it up. Yeah, I'm pissed about that because uh, you know it's not like torrenting's easy to do when you're with Virgin Media. <laughs> yeah, and I'm up, but I'm surprised that you know they want to stamp out piracy, but then they're like, yeah, we're not going to show this TV show anywhere. Yeah, so. and and uh, by not showing it, it kind of encourages it. Well, yeah. How else are you going to see it? Yeah, Something. yeah. That's that's what that's what really annoyed me about Torchwood Miracle Day uh, when when the show that a couple of years ago. Stars had to have it a week before the BBC did because yeah. of the contract, and I thought it's a BBC show for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, if if you know, if anything, they 
if they wanted, you know, they should have tried to force it so that BBC shown it and then 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 the US showed it a few hours later, mm. or the BBC shown it the day after, sort of yeah. thing. Or just a roughly simultaneous release yeah. like they've done yeah. before. And, yeah. and what also annoyed me is they had two separate cuts for the BBC and and, and America. Yeah. Uh, mm. Because they they felt that some the BBC felt that some the scene where Captain Jack's being tortured would be too violent for their audience, and I thought. Well, that that didn't actually bother them when they sort of like uh, when when Captain Jack Hartless murdered his flipping kid. In, yeah. In yeah. So, you know, seeing seeing like there's some double standards there, but you know, I digress. That, that was just a point about the the whole sort of like uh, torrenting culture. Yeah. If, if they don't if they don't want to encourage it, they should just buy. They should just bring the shows to the UK and show them in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. And that that way, it won't be as much of a problem. Yeah. No. No. But yeah. Um, yeah. Agent Carter. I like the fact that it's only eight episodes because it means the plot moves forward really quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. they they don't have time to wait around and you know and waste time basically. So every episode is significant and you know it hits a lot of beats. And the characters are great. I mean, every single one of them. Yeah. You know, and like I said to Brittany of week, I think I think the male characters could. Could you be do be, could do of being much more sexist than they actually are? Yeah, although well, it is interesting. Like in the last one, where it was the whole, um, of course, the murderer would be a woman because everybody underestimates them, and it's true, you know. And then, and it just shows that with you know Peggy standing there as everybody's underestimating her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that that doesn't in 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 a way that doesn't really make sense considering her war record and you know the fact that yeah. she. You know, it doesn't make sense that she she would be sort of like lower down the pecking order in the SSR. Although they basically they've chosen to ignore that, um, as in the the male characters in the show have chosen to ignore that. Yeah, but, I, I guess so, and I guess that probably did happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked the episode with the Howling Commandos, even though there was only one returning. That was character. awesome. I loved yeah. it, and I, I think um, for next year their mini series should be the Howling Commandos. Yes, absolutely. You know, and you know, I think um, I've I've been reading uh, some some of the Marvel Heroic Age with the Howling Commandos. Yeah, good stories. I mean, uh, really cheesy, but good stories. Yeah, very cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you know Nick Fury, you know, is a white guy and he's literally got an alcohol problem. <laughs> Except yeah. um, every every other bleeding panel we see him with 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 a glass of bourbon. <laughs> he's also pretty racist, if I recall. Oh yeah, but you know, so I've been I've been been reading those, and I don't think they've actually done a storyline of of the Howling Commandos in the in the new Marvel universe, haven't they? No, they haven't. They they they've integrated them as far as they exist, but they haven't actually had a dedicated storyline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they background for Captain America and his film, and one episode with Peggy, and you know that five second appearance in Shield as well. Yeah, they, that's been about it. They need to do that. They need they need to do more with Howling Commandos because I'm intrigued by them. Um, you know, I just like like the characters. Well, I would yeah. love to, I would love to see Dum Dum and his uh, squad in Russia. You know, like um, set around that time. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. You know, I'd love watching that. Yeah, and um, you know they they could um, they could even do the backstory with uh, with with the with the new version Nick Fury. Obviously, you'd have to find. A younger, younger version of Samuel L. Jackson. 
yeah to, to, to actually pull that one off but it's you know I, I just think that that their characters are just begging to have have a have a big storyline written about them maybe mm-hmm. next year they'll get their mini series who knows yeah yeah you never know I mean um, I, I, I apparently read that the uh, agent Carter now that it's actually paired up with uh, with with one one of the other shows is actually doing better. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's um, yeah, it's doing really well. People are really responding well to it, so they'll try it again. They'll try something again. Yeah, I, I hope to do. I mean, there's so much to to pick pick from. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I've got to admit the uh, the episode with the Howling Commandos is actually my favourite so far. Yes. Yeah. Also, the Black Widows. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, the, the proto-Black Widows, they're not yeah. actually called Black Widows, but they're proto-Black Widows. Not yet, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think there's actually shades of Fifty, 50 Shades of Grey there, isn't there? And we can handcuff <laughs> themselves to the bed. Yes. Um, you know, but it's like, um, it's kind of like a half-hearted attempt at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. A network TV attempt at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Soft car version, <laughs> um, you know. But but then again, you know, we could call Baywatch the hardcore version. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's up for a reboot soon. Oh, didn't they reboot it already? Baywatch away. No idea. Yeah, because they did. They did Baywatch, then did Baywatch Nights, and then they did Baywatch Hawaii. Oh my god, I know so much about this show, it's not It's not even funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know too how, much. How sad am I? <laughs> I, I know too much, um, you know, and, and all because every Saturday Saturday evening at around about 5.25, I wanted a good perv. <laughs> uh, I, watched, I watched Baywatch a little bit, and I watched Baywatch Nights. I don't think I caught Baywatch Hawaii. I I never caught Baywatch Hawaii. I did see the film that they made where I think uh, C J Pamela Anderson's character got married. Mm-hmm. And that, that was like, like, yeah, I don't remember that. I don't think I saw that. It, it was a film, and it was sort of like it, it was it kind of like ended the whole series, I think. Um, mm. But it's I I, I caught that um, one one afternoon when it was on, but I I I didn't really. Um, I didn't really follow through on, on the Hawaii series because it never actually aired here in the UK. Mm. Um, the, uh, Baywatch Nights did for a while, but it was shown. It was shown so like uh, it was literally shown um, after midnight here in the UK. Mm. So it didn't really get an audience. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, got a very particular kind of audience. Yeah, it's all like it. It's like so much. There's quite a few, quite a few US shows um, it, here in the UK that came to the UK and were shown late night. You know, when ITV used to have that whole nighttime worth of television. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now they just have sort of like stupid flipping um, gambling shows for about four <laughs> hours in the evening that start at midnight. Um, but they used to. There was a show that used to be called called Young Riders about Pony Express. That, that oh yeah, I vaguely remember that. Um, wow. Now it's actually a fairly good show. Other um, a bit forming eight. That they, they actually show that they shown the first season of that here in the UK, um, quite late night. Mm. Um, and, and that was actually that 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 was actually should have been really a prime time show. It should have been shown like uh, early evening. Um, also, the uh, tail end of MacGyver. Um, <laughs> 
started out by from BBC and then Granada picked up and started showing it at roughly about 12.31am mm. here, here in okay. the UK sort of thing so that is it's, weird. It's, it's just really weird how that all you know how, how that all happened and now we have a gambling late night television uh, where you've got you know roulette where you ring in and you know talk to some sycophantic stupid um, low intelligent bimbo of a TV host that's trying to get you to play roulette and stuff like that. I've never actually done it, I've seen them on there and thought oh this is boring and switched it off <laughs> but you know that's that's what you get now on British television after after midnight. That's why that you know it's, I think it's um, I think it's a plot to encourage you to go to bed. <laughs> it could be. It yeah. works. <laughs> <laughs> it works brilliantly. Okay. <laughs> so what else are we gonna discuss? Um, Spider Man. Um, I've got I've got a couple of things. I I didn't see you post this story. I sent it to you, but you didn't post it. Librarians has been renewed for season two. Oh, brilliant! But nobody expected that. Fantastic! Yeah, I, I emailed it to you, but you must have missed it. When did you email it to me? Several days ago. Yeah, I, I had a shitload of email and I just deleted every single one of them. It must even, have been when, because I, I, I emailed it to you. I wasn't even looking because most of it was spam and there was hmm. like 150 of them and I just saw like hit delete. It was just yeah. a massive eat sort of thing. So um, one, one of them was librarians renewed for season two. That's bringing well. If you can dig that out again, I can sort of stick that up tomorrow. Okay. Um, I will. You know, because I, I can I can write a little piece around it. All right. The other thing I wanted to bring up, and this was um, this was based off of the announcement that uh, Big Finish are going to be doing the unit stories with, uh, with Kate Stewart, Gemma Redgrave. Um, I wanted to bring up a point that I hadn't seen brought up in all of the fan reaction. The fans are reacting like, oh my god, the, you know, the floodgates are open, we're going to get everything modern series related. And that might happen, but if it does happen, it's going to be tangential. I have a feeling that this is about, at least right now, the fact that Jebba Redgrave wanted a spinoff and the BBC couldn't pay for one. Mm-hmm. And so I, because the BBC can't pay for any spinoffs, I just can't. And so they, they have this name actress in a beloved legacy role who is expressing interest in a spinoff that they can't pay for, and they panic, and they realize that, that Big Finish is their only option, and so they break their, their cardinal rule of no modern elements and, and go ahead with this because it's the only thing they can do. Um, on the downside, um, as awesome as this might be, the downside of it is though that because the BBC is financially messed up right now, um, they could just see this as an opportunity to shunt everything that could be a spin-off onto Big Finish. We may never see a spin-off again. I mean, that's that's the bleak reading of this whole thing. Personally, I, I can't understand why the BBC are in such dire straits when we are paying them 40 quid per quarter <laughs> you know, for 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 um for what essentially is a pretty shite service for genre fans, because yeah. we we get Doctor Who and maybe one other show, and yet you know they can't afford to do spin-offs of these shows, yet they can afford to make and show EastEnders five times a bloody week. Mm. EastEnders is cheap though, you know, it's uh, relatively cheap because they already have the sets and true, the actors get paid what they get paid. So true, but shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it doesn't. I don't think it really makes them any money outside of of, of the UK. Although it is shown outside of the UK, I don't think it's the money spinner that Doctor Who has been for them. It's not. So you know. Um, so my point is to the BBC, they need to start speculating to accumulate. Also, they need to make Doctor Who better. True. You know, um, <laughs> the last season turned off a lot of viewers. Right? There was stuff about ratings dipping, and Stephen Moffat tried to cover it up with. You know, if you look at the figures for iPlayer, they're bigger. But you know, like whatever. But you know, the the reality is the audience is is losing interest because of the the lackluster stories. And my big problem with that is that I'm afraid Peter Capaldi will get blamed when it's the writing. Yeah, and yeah, people might say, yeah, oh, no one wanted an older doctor. The younger doctors were better, so let's get a young, you know, let's get a seventeen-year-old doctor next time. You know? Yeah, because 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 here's the thing: regardless of what you think of a female doctor or a black doctor or a whatever doctor, none of the other demographic doctors will be a reality if Peter Capaldi fails. Mm. Yeah, they will just he will be he will be taken out, and they'll just be get handing us the, the teeny bopper doctors until they ground it. Grounded into the ground. Yeah, true. And without, so, without realizing that the crap stories are actually the downfall of the show. I think. I think to be honest, uh, I think the reason the ratings have dipped quite a lot as well is um, Moffat's gone. Although, although sort of like of late, his stories have been a bit blair. He's gone sort of like very very sci-fi and um, sciencey winey in his storytelling. Uh, to a point where you know you've got scientists criticising how, how inaccurate it is, but by the same token, you know it's turned the mainstream viewers off because the main, a lot of the mainstream support for Doctor Who went went by the wayside when yeah. when Russell T Davis left and, mm-hmm. and when Matt Smith was cast because they they didn't take to Matt Smith in the same way as they took to David Tennant and. And the storylines kind of maybe got a little bit too too science uh, fictiony for them, you know. Yeah, I mean, Matt Smith's uh, era was was very fantasy based. I thought, you know, it was kind of the Doctor was this figure who came and plucked you out of your bedroom and took you on an adventure and then returned you before the morning and that kind of stuff. But yeah, with Peter Capaldi, it's going down a more sci-fi route. And I don't have a problem with bad science as long as the story is good enough to offset it and it makes sense in its own context, but it doesn't, and that's the problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you on that. I mean, I don't have a problem with bad science or scientific inaccuracies. Um, it's just got, you, you know, you just got to like the characters and like the story, and and I, I really like Capaldi, Capaldi's Doctor. Mm. I just feel bad for Capaldi because he's not really been, he's not really been served any, any decent or half-decent storylines, whereas... You know, Matt Smith had some brilliant storylines for yeah. done for his. He also had some really bad ones. Yeah, and and he had some really stinky ones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like him. I like Capaldi in some episodes, but there, I think there's an equal number of episodes where I don't like him. But that's because the character's so inconsistently written that he's got nothing to work with. I think part of the problem though is, and season season nine will be proof in the pudding because season nine will be they'll have their feet under them finally. Yeah, and it won't be the introduction season. It'll be just be what it, he'll be becoming, whatever he becomes. And so season nine will be the proof in the pudding. Yeah, well, a good yeah. A, a good bit of news came out the other day. Near basically the director that uh, did the, directed the, Blink, the story Blink 
uh, she's returning for an episode of season nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm I'm kind of thinking that that could be a pretty good omen because Blink Ring is one. Um, if I was to compile a top ten list of my favourite episodes of the modern era of Doctor Who, Blink would be at the top. Mm, yes. Yeah, same for me probably. Follow, the issue follow. is, you know, the yeah. issue is if the director's directing a story that's not any good, then it's still not going to be any good. Yeah. You know? And I still say that the standalone story elements were not the problem; it was the arc stuff. Yeah. Who cares the about that arc? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's like, uh, I mean, that's why that's why all my reviews were never really dire for the last series because. I wasn't I wasn't focusing so much on the arc stuff as I was on the standalone stories. Mm. Yeah, if you if you if you ignore the arc stuff, season eight was was fairly solid. If you bring in the arc stuff, it's like oh my god, what were you even thinking? Mm. Yeah, there was the odd episode that was just beyond stupid though. You know, like listen, I mean, I'm never sitting through that again. Yeah, I. I um... Great character beats, but you're right. The story itself was like really. Yeah, I, I like I like the notion of the Orient Express storyline that they did. I thought that was actually pretty good. Yeah, it's like a trade in space. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. But you know, in, in, but I felt it wasn't. I felt I didn't really give up to its potential. Although it did feature the return of the you know Peter Capaldi Doctor, who you know lets people die but wants it to be a useful death. Yes. That's an interesting, you know, that was an interesting characterization that only appeared once or twice, you know, and it's a shame because it's a very interesting thing that's different, you know, mm-hmm. importantly it's different, you couldn't see Tennant or Matt Smith doing that. Yeah. No, no. Just so casually anyway. And it, it's, it also kind of contradicts the, uh, the Eccleston, uh, nobody's, nobody's going to die today mm-hmm. in, in the... Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in the in the two parts from 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 Eccleston season. Where's yeah. my mommy? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so um, but yeah, so it's kind of like um, I I I'm looking forward to the unit spinoff. Yes, I I I'm gonna, I plan on I plan on reviewing it. Um, mm. Unless you want to do it, and I'll just you know. I don't. To- I don't know. I'm not. I've not. I've not walked that far ahead, to be honest. Okay. It it depends on which of us will probably have more time for box sets. It'll probably realistically be me, but we'll see. Well, what other spin-off t- potential does the modern series have anymore? I mean, I suppose there's, uh, what's her name, the Silurian. Yeah. Her yes. Girlfriend. But. Yes. That's about it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think the I think the I think the sort like, spin-off uh, factor for the for the uh, Silurian. It's kind of like, you know, it's probably coming close to dying its death because it's been featured so many times on the series. It's one of those things that might be interesting for one episode, but what do you do after that? Mm. Uh-huh. Or, or maybe it may be interesting for a short series of episodes, maybe maybe a five, five-part miniseries or something. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, but mo- moving off on to Doctor Who now... Um, there's been some big news that's happened over in recent weeks that we've not spoken about yet, and that is the fact that um, um, Spider-Man is going to be coming to the Marvel Universe thanks to a deal between, uh, is it Sony Entertainment and Marvel? Yep. Yes. Finally, is all I can say. Yeah, but you know. there's also talk that they're going to recast Andrew Garfield. 
there's not just talk, it's confirmed. Uh, I read that Andrew Garfield actually turned the role down. Um, because it, I think he just didn't... He, I don't know. He saw that they wanted to take a new direction. They didn't want... He didn't want the baggage of his films to drag into it, I think. Something like that. So, so basing it, they're essentially going to kind of reboot Spider-Man. Again, for the yeah. third time in 15 years. For the third time in 15 years. And I, just, going, I, I, never going, I never even bothered with the films. <laughs> the Garfield ones, I mean. Yeah. And the, the first one's all right. The second one's a bit of a train wreck. The first one was okay. The second one's a, a massive train wreck. Yeah. Um, in fact, I go as far as the second, saying the second one's actually worse than Spider-Man Three. Oh, oh no, it definitely is. Yeah. You know, and Spider-Man Three, I didn't think was as bad as people made it out to be. No, I didn't. You I know? didn't think so. I mean, at least it had the character set up. You know, whereas the Amazing Spider-Man Two didn't. Mm-hmm. It's like you saw Harry Osborn become a version of the Goblin because you'd seen him in two films build up to it. Yeah. But in Amazing Spider-Man 2, he just becomes it, and, you know, because he's mental or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, um, you know, I, I think I think the Raimi Spider-Man films are easily the best. Yes. You know, and, um, they, you know they, they've, got, they've got plenty of rewatchability as far as I'm concerned still. Yeah, for sure. Um, it seems that with Marvel's version of the character... They're going to go back to high school age Peter Parker, which is a good idea, I think. You know, I, I think it's a good idea because we've never had a high school age Peter Parker. Not for long. Not for long. We had him at the beginning of the last of, of the Amazing Spider-Man, beginning of the first Spider-Man movie, and yet in the comics, um, it's, it's certainly for the first for the first sort of like a few years, um, he he's a, he's a high school student by by day and Spider-Man yeah. by night. Yeah, also sometimes Spider-Man by day, you know, depending on the needs of the situation. True, but it's sort of like, that, that's what made Spider-Man so relatable, yeah. you know, because he was not only struggling with being a teenager, but he was also struggling with having, you know, having to manage two separate identities while simultaneously keeping it all a secret from his Aunt May. Yeah, and it's, you know, it was, the character's always been great, and he's not hard to adapt, I've always said this, he's not difficult, you know. Is all you have to do is get plenty of conflict in there and you're done. But we don't need to see another origin story. Yeah, I think I think you know, what I should do is just introduce it in the uh, because I've got a feeling it's going to be the next Captain America film they're going to introduce in it. Yes, probably. Um, they're probably going to do Civil War, aren't they? Well, it's definitely Civil War, but I don't think they're going to do it the same way the comic did because they can't. You know, they don't have anybody with a secret identity at the moment, except maybe Daredevil. But we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Um, Reese, what do you think? I I am just a little tired of the, of the constant need to recalibrate the characters. It's like, stick to it or don't, but don't keep shoving umpteen variations, you know, at us in relatively short periods of time. It's like it's like that weird period when you had uh, when you had uh, Sean Connery and Roger Moore playing James Bond at the same time. <laughs> it's like, why bother? You know. I think uh, with any luck, this will be the last recalibration for a while. Um, I think Spider-Man being with Marvel is the right way to go, and it also gives Marvel an opportunity to create a character that's grounded. You know, because up until now, it's always been these cosmic stakes. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Spider-Man, it's all going to be about having to make it in time for his test or something, you know, while he's uh, fighting a supervillain. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, which will be a nice contrast. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually with you guys, and I'm hoping this will be the last time that they reboot the character. Um, yeah. but, but by the same token, um, in, in terms of the actual Marvel Universe, um, we've got the uh, guy that plays Captain America, uh, Chris Evans, he's talking about leaving eventually. I think, I think they've all talked about it one way or another, though. Yeah, and also uh, Robert Downey, uh, I think he's already contracted to do two, to, to do two more appearances as Iron Man. Mm. There'll be three more if you included Infinity War as two things, so I think contractually it's probably just one. True, but I think I think basically I think as far as Darwin is concerned, uh, he he is getting to an age now where he's probably a, um, a little bit on the old side. To, to yeah, be but Tony Stark ages anyway, you know, so like it can still work. Possibly, but what 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 I'm what I'm saying is, uh, in terms of the uh, the Hollywood set and the, the the production companies, they seem to be frightened of having aging characters. Yeah, and if they're part of an ensemble, it's probably okay though. And I think uh, you know, for instance, the character Thor has more of a shelf life than Iron Man does, because Thor shouldn't really be aging, at least not you know the same way that anyone else does. <laughs> That's, that's true. I mean, I, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next Marvel film. I'm looking forward to Age of Ultron. It comes out this year, right? Yeah, yes. in two months. Mm-hmm. Two yeah, months here for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And um, Is Ant-Man due out this year? July. Yes. Um, I'm, 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 I'm kind of torn about Ant-Man. I'm, I'm doing this thing where I avoid trailers for everything because I'm kind of tired of seeing half the film before I see the film. So um, I haven't seen trailers for either Age of Ultron or Ant-Man, so I'm going to go in fresh. I've, I've seen the trailer for Age of Ultron, um, or one of them, but it was only a brief glimpse. Um, and I kind, I've not seen the Ant-Man trailer. Um, the only trailer I've seen other than that is the Star Wars trailer. Yeah, I've seen the Star Wars one and, as well. You know, I can't wait. The, the Ant-Man trailer is kind of cool, but then I, I because I don't read the comics, the uh, the movie adaptations are are my my end to these universes, and so I'm actually a bit looking forward to Ant-Man, and I'm looking forward to having uh, Kurt, um, no, um, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Yeah. Yeah, I almost said Kirk. Um, <laughs> Michael Douglas as uh, Ant-Man the Elder. Yeah. In contrast, it's going to be kind of cool. Well, Kurt yeah, Douglas is still around, isn't he? Still, he's still. He's very geriatric, but he's still with us. <laughs> he's sort of like, the... he's what, hundred years old now? <laughs> pushing, I think he's like pushing ninety. Absolutely. The um, the issue with Ant Man is obviously the the controversy around the director switch. You know, mm. that's going to be. It'll be interesting uh, to see how that turns out. Yes. It, yeah. It will if be. It turns, I mean, I... turns out watchable. You know. You know, but then again, even when Edgar Wright was directing, I was a bit unsure of the character because the only, the only, the only time I've ever seen Ant Man is when it's been part of the ensemble with the Avengers, yeah. and and obviously he was actually one of the original in the original line of the Avengers. So yeah, he was one of the founding members. Yeah. Yeah, um, along with um, Wasp, Wasp, and um, and and Hulk, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think. Um... Yeah, Ant-Man's always going to be a tough one because he he didn't really have his own comic for very long before they realised they had nothing to do with him. But 
you know, and, and then they just kept him on teams and so on. But the, he's, he's always been an interesting character. I think the cartoon Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes did it an interesting thing with him by making him a pacifist. Uh-huh. That, was, that was new. Yeah, I mean they, you know, and and also I think I think they uh, they they actually hinted at in the, in the two Avengers animated films that they did that that um, that that it was an alcoholic and it was quite abusive to Wasp. Yeah, that was the the ultimate comics influence. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know. It's um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see, but I'm 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 not sure. I'm not sure about go, going out to see see uh, Ant Man, whereas I'm definitely gonna go try and see Avengers on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Because I, I I I like those characters, so I'm I'm in for that one, and obviously I'm in for Star Wars at the end of the year. Yeah. But as far as other movies gonna go that I'm going to see this year, I don't know. Well, there's like the Jurassic World and Terminators, which are almost certainly going to be terrible. And I'm probably going to avoid the Jurassic World, and um, you know, I'll, I'll probably save those two for the, uh, you know, for the for the for the rentals on, mm. on pay per view. Um, you know, but it's kind of like not, it's not one of those. Um, as far as far as the comic book movies are concerned, um, I'm Avengers and Star Wars all the way. <laughs> you know. Um, so, um, do we have anything else to discuss? No, I think um, that's it. Nothing coming to mind, yeah. Awkward silence. Okay, well, that, <laughs> that about wraps it up for this week. Um, now we're going to, so like, uh, pass you over to the, uh, to this week's interview with, uh, the fantastic Ari Stidham, um, who's, who talks to me about, uh, Scorpion and, uh, you know, I, I had fun doing this one. So, hope you enjoy listening to it. My name is Walter O'Brien. I have the fourth highest IQ ever recorded, 197. Einstein's was 160. When I was 11, the FBI arrested me for hacking NASA to get their blueprints from my bedroom wall. Now, I run a team of geniuses tackling worldwide threats only we can solve. Toby's our behaviorist. Sylvester's a human calculator. Happy, a mechanical prodigy. Agent Cave Gallows, our government handler. And Paige? Well, Paige isn't like us. She's normal and translates the world for us while we help her understand her genius son. Together, we are Scorpion. And well, I'd like to welcome to the show a very special guest, Ari Stidham, who's um, better known as the uh, mathematical genius Sylvester from the hit show Scorpion. How are you doing, Ari? I'm doing well. How are you? How are you doing? It's great. It's great to have you on the show. I mean, I'm so like I've been watching Scorpion for a few months now, really been enjoying it, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping it's one of these shows that actually is around for a while. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, I I hope so too, if only to keep myself employed. Um, <laughs> I uh, I yeah, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it found an audience. Mm-hmm. Well, to, to get things started, I've, I've got uh, I've got a bit of a softball softball question for you. And that's basically, how did you get into acting and performing? Was it something that you'd always kind of wanted to do, or did you just fall into it? Uh, yeah, I started acting when I was in third grade. Uh, not professionally, but I, I did a play in third grade um, at my elementary school, um, and I sort of just caught the bug there. It was Annie. The musical Annie. I played Drake the Butler and Sandy the Dog. There was just something about uh, 
that show, I guess, when I was in third grade and just being in front of people and getting to play two characters felt really cool and special. And I thought, um, you know, I could do this. I think I could actually do this because I saw people um, growing up close to Los Angeles as I did. I saw people, uh, adults who were artists as their careers. And so it seemed um, far more attainable than not for me just geographically. Um, so I, I sort of made my mind up there. Um, and just started acting uh, anywhere I could as much as I could. Uh, and then when I was 17, I started working professionally. I got lucky with this uh, teen soap on ABC Family out here called Huge, which was short-lived, but it was my foot in the door and sort of been uh, jumping around guest star spots ever since mm-hmm. until Scorpion. Well, you, you know, getting on Scorpion now, you've actually scored a pretty fun character in Sylvester on, on, on the show. Um, yes, sir. What attracted you to the role? Because he's um, he's kind of like um, he, he, he looks like he's probably quite a fun and complex play, you know, character for you to play. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there. I think there, it, there's a lot of characters on television that leave a lot to be determined by uh, the actor, and this one is not one of those uh, exclusively. I can I can play around in all the stuff that's already been established rather than like have to kind of create something in the moment because I know he's got so many issues that a fear could come in in a, in a dull moment. Um, uh, I, I feel like there's so many, there's just so many layers. I, it, he's, he's my, he's my favorite character uh, I've ever played because he's got so much. There's so many fears and there's so many just actual medical issues and his past is so, messed up but he's so brilliant and it's always cool to play somebody who's brilliant because it makes me feel smart you know <laughs> <laughs> well you know get, getting on some of those issues you know you say he's got a lot of anxiety um, yeah. about the world around him and uh, you know I, I can actually relate to that because <laughs> well, I don't well, like going outside I, I, I can as well I'd say that's the that's the biggest part of Sylvester that is a part of me as well I have, I have extreme anxiety social anxiety <laughs> um, but I I think everybody has extreme social anxiety, but they just don't want to talk about it. They, like, work through it every day. Maybe I'm just being hopeful that, <laughs> that I'm not actually the most anxious person in every room. Did you, did you have to, um, did you do any uh, actual research in order to, sort of, like, portray some of Sylvester's more extreme reactions to situations on the show? Uh, yeah, I, I mostly I lean into YouTube and Google. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I... I researched, um, in, like, I, I, I did not delve into the depths of OCD um, research, but I definitely looked up a lot of videos and spoke to a couple close friends who suffer from it. Um, and I, I feel like I have a, a good grasp on how to play that and how to, how to sort of explore that side of Sylvester because it's all of these things are habitual. Um, is the is the bottom line that I learned that there's habits that you can break and there's habits that you can't let yourself break and you know to overcome uh, uh, an issue that that sort of is manifested in your, in your brain um, there's like a lot of ways but sometimes it's just you got to do it and that's what's crazy there's not really a, a a science behind that it's just sometimes you have to like overcome it and say okay well. I didn't turn off the lights six times, but I hope everybody wakes up okay, because if I don't turn off the lights six times and 
the house is going to explode or whatever the unrealistic fear is. You know, sometimes you, you power through it and it's beatable. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's sort of very necessary, very necessary to Sylvester overcoming the odds each time is that uh, the problems that he has overall, he can beat. Mm-hmm. I just think, I just think he's a wonderful character. It's just, it's just so much there that, that, that you can relate to. Yeah. I, just- I, I love, I love playing him. I'm, I'm very, very grateful that, that our writers chose me and they like me because <laughs> it, uh, it, it's a blast. It really is. Well, thus far on the show, um, here in the UK recently, we've seen um, we've seen two episodes. One in which uh, Sylvester is left in charge of uh, in, in charge of Walter's sister, and then in the yeah. next episode, you get hurt, and he, and Walter's sister's looking after you. And there seems to be a really nice relationship. Uh, Forming there between between Sylvester and he's sort of like connecting with older sister. Are we going to see more of that? Uh, yes, you are. You're going to see uh, you're going to see that that relationship blossom into something very cool. I, I don't want to give it away, but it it's it's a it's a blast. I mean, he he's still a kid, Sylvester. He's still growing up. Um, Mentally and emotionally, because he, he just had to like make do with what he has. Um, all I mean, all of the geniuses I think are still growing up. Walter still feels like a little boy sometimes. Um, but that I, I think that Megan uh, is just this strong character who has who has she's a strong character who has strong character, and uh, Sylvester could learn a lot from her. Um, and I I. Before I shot these episodes, I was excited to see where it was going, and I'm very happy to see where it is now. And I think the fans are going to enjoy it. I mean, all, all the relationships actually between between the main characters. I mean, you know, of your, your characters got a few guilt issues about not going out on the missions because of your phobias. And mm-hmm. I, thought that, I thought that was really sweet. But then I thought, well, you know. Um, Sylvester's is, you know, a hero in 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 the way as what what he does to help them out when they're in in the field is is you know just as valid as actually being out in the field. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'd say that's true. I I also think that there's some problems that you just need to be there for. Um, there's some solutions that simply an extra set of hands can solve, and if they're one person short when they could have used six. You know, that's on Sylvester. Um, there's our show moves around so much that it's it's like to be a part of the team. We we go everywhere together, the six of us. <laughs> we, we we shoot very long days, and we're in every scene together. It's sort of the fabric of the show, you know. Yeah. Oh, um, and over out to you guys. You know, been working with been working with Robert Patrick, who's kind of like a bit of a legend for his role in the second Terminator movie. Uh, oh, yeah. What's it been like to work with him? And um, have you actually picked up any um, any useful sort of like um, advice um, about working on television from him? Oh, certainly. Um, you know, Robert's done like definitely over a hundred movies. Um, he's been in so much. I mean, you know what? I want to say definitely because I can probably check IMDb, but it's it's a lot. The number is is a large number of movies and TV shows, and his career is so prolific that he just knows how to do his job so well. Just watching him, you learn so much. But 
being on a, a series like this is a different beast. Um, you, you sort of need to uh, go all in when you're when you're there at work, and so he he's very dedicated and focused. Um, but at the same time, he can joke around with us. So I guess I I, I don't know. He he reminds me to like play with my choices a lot as an actor. He reminds me to stay focused and you know just sort of remain in the moment. It sounds like you've got a couple of the birds there in the background. <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> my window's open. I'm in a hotel room right now. All right. Cool. Um, okay. Well, I read. I read that much like myself. You're actually a musician as well. Uh, I am. I am. Are, are we likely to um, see see you see you bring some of that some of the mu- those musical abilities to to Sylvester? Because you know, when you think about it, music is just basic maths. Yeah, um, I hope that we bring some music to Sylvester. I can say that my music, as as uh, uh, Ari Stida, my my band, Doctor Television, one of my songs, Wonder Bread, is in an episode of the show called Forget Me Nots. I don't know if it's if it's aired over there yet, um, but it's called Forget Me Nots. I believe it's episode fifteen. Uh, so my music is on the show, but it's not Sylvester playing. It's just my music in it. Um, I hope that I get to. Uh, bring music to the show. I, I hope I get to sing on the show. It'd be cool to sing with Catherine McPhee on the show. I, I don't know. The yeah. writers have got to write it, you know. Yeah, I, I, I can only hope. I, I, I hope it happens because I think it was. I think it'd be a really cool thing to add to you know add, add to the characters. I mean, if you remember if you watched the old Star Trek, the re- Star Trek Next Generation, you had Riker. He could play the. Uh, you know, he, he could play. I can't remember what it was he played. <laughs> Yeah, but you know he played an instrument now and then in in, in the show, and uh, you know I think I think those sort of little touches are nice to have on on characters. Yeah, I mean it just adds a little bit more depth. Yeah. I, I mean I'd be I'd be into it. We should we should start a, a letter writing campaign. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so far we've had twelve episodes here in the UK. Um, ah. What would you say have been your favourite episodes to shoot thus far? You know, there are ones that are going to air a little bit later, but um, there's one called The Love Boat, which I was really excited to shoot, um, which I think is episode 16. Uh, and then this one that we just shot, 117, um, that one was a lot of fun. It's called Going South or Down South. Um, and that We go to Mexico in that one. That one was a lot of fun. Some cool Megan Sylvester stuff happens in those two episodes, and um, yeah, the adventures just keep getting crazier and more specific and like more intense. I mean, so you just saw the the boy in the on the beach, right, with the with the water coming in, and he's got to get his blood oxygenized. Uh, I think that was one. Yeah, it's one one way where, where Sylvester got quite seriously injured with, with some shrapnel. Oh, oh, that one with the uh, the jewel thief through the through the safe crackers. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you know, that one's cool. And and uh, happy uh, sort of like whacking some guy off a motorcycle with a yeah. with, with a making use of a, a giant spanner and a fire hydrant. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a fantastic show. I just you know just love watching. Thank you. Well, thanks for watching. Yeah, do you have any funny stories you could share from the set? I mean, who's who's a prankster on the set? Would you say? Um, I'd say all of us are pranksters, uh, but mostly, I'd say it's mostly Elias. And Elias, there was this one knife, <laughs> and it was 
probably like midnight. We were shooting very late. Maybe it was one in the morning. I mean, it was late. It was the last shot of the night. Mm-hmm. And Elias is talking to us, and then he picks up the phone, and he turns his back to us. And the shot is over our shoulders to him, talking to us, and then he turns around to talk on the phone. And while he's talking on the phone, the shot's dead until we all walk out of the room, because they just want to get coverage of us leaving the room. And he, it's his coverage, so you don't see our faces. And for, like, however long he wants, basically, we're only looking at his back while he's talking on the phone. (laughs) So he does this Hindu accent, this atrocious Hindu accent, which, you know, it's probably probably pretty accurate because he's a good actor. But, I I, I mean, I don't know. I've never heard somebody speak like that before. (laughs) And he he just starts improvising, like, a random situation that this guy is in, a random phone call that he's in, and he, he starts, like, saying that his son's name is Jackson, and he goes, like, no, no, Jackson. No, 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 no. Jackson. Michael Jackson. And he's, like, just being crazy ridiculous. And Robert Patrick, Eddie K. Thomas, and I are just, like, trying not to laugh because all he has to do is hang up the phone and turn to us and say, let's go. And then we all leave the room. But none of us can keep it together, and we must have done it, like, four times. And every time, he just turned around with the phone, and he would do the Hindu accent, and we could not handle it. It was it was the funniest moment. Oh, man. It you know, probably sounds like it was probably about 5 a.m. by the time you finished shooting then. <laughs> It was late, it was late. <laughs> okay, well, um, I'd, I'd just like to uh, thank you for being on, on, on the show, and, uh, you know, oh, no. fing- fingers crossed you get a second season. Oh, we did, we already got one. You have? Right. Yeah, we got one, we got picked up. Oh, that's brilliant, you know, can't wait yeah. to see more. <laughs> I don't, yeah, thank I, you. Although I'm still watching the, um, we, we've just, we just had it come back a couple of weeks ago after the uh, Christmas break. Oh, great. Here, and, um... It's it's crazy actually because um, it was my sister that introduced me to the show. I mean, I, I'm normally on anything like this like a rash because I I, I kind of like uh, you know genre television where you know it's all like not uh, technology is used or or this science fiction or or yeah. horror sort of thing. So I'm actually surprised that I hadn't heard of Scorpion and that it was my sister that introduced me to the show. You know, last year when it came on. Yeah, you know, I should have known about it. <laughs> it's cool, man. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you know about it now. And uh, so am I. And um, you know, again, thanks, for, thanks for being a guest on the show. And uh, no problem. Best, thanks for having me. Best of luck with the uh, show in future. And I'd love to have you back again if you if you like come on again. Sure, sure. Maybe, maybe we can talk, you know, about season two when that's airing. Yeah, I'd love that. Okay. Well, f- thanks, Harry. Right. It's been bringing speaking to you. Hi, my name is Steve Lund, and I play the character of Nick Sorrentino on the sci-fi and space series Bitten. You are listening to Sci-Fi PulseRadio.com, taking the pulse of sci-fi. Remember when science fiction drama envisioned stories that were happening where no one had gone before? Discovering and exploring other worlds far, far away. While many of these series and films became cult classics, 
somewhere along the way, this genre got lost. Imagine if there was a place where you could go watch exciting new space opera series made specifically for the niche audience that you are. Imagine if this place was conducted by a team as passionate as you about science fiction and who would use all their background experience to make sure you get the best entertainment possible. SOS is a not-for-profit independent production facility that brings together writers, special effects wizards, and other creative talent from around the world who've worked on some of the most recognizable and respected science fiction franchises. So throw away your remote control and get real control by joining the Space Opera Society right now. With as little as one dollar, you can change the future of entertainment today. For more information, please visit our website, which is, of course, spaceoperasociety.com, where all your questions will be answered in our frequently asked questions page, and don't miss our short video presentation from some of our space opera series in development. And I'll step off the limit. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And that about wraps things up for this week. Um, I'd like to again thank uh, Craig and uh, Reese for joining me this week. So thanks, guys. It's been great having you on again. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, we had a good time. Um, and we'll be back in, in a couple of weeks with, uh, with more topical conversation and, um, and, and more interviews and stuff. So um, you know, be sure to tune in for us then. Thanks for listening. That's it for now. Bye.